0: Hey everyone, my name is Randall Heyer, and I'm the Worship Arts Pastor here at Cochrane Alliance Church. We are so glad that you've come to check out the latest sermon, and we pray that you are encouraged, challenged, and ultimately that you are drawn closer to Jesus. Enjoy. This morning we launch into Advent, and uh, we uh, begin our four-week series uh, rooted in the book of Isaiah. Today, we uh, are going to launch Wonderful Counselor. As we do, I want to share with you about uh, a little story. Ernie Pyle is a Pulitzer Prize winner. This is a photo of him. He's a winning American journalist who became a World War II reporter on the front lines in the Pacific theater. He spent time in the trenches with the troops and was exposed to the worst of the fighting and the destruction. He was killed by enemy fire near the end of the war in Okinawa. But shortly before his death, he wrote to a friend and he wrote these words. He said, if you have any light, shine it in my direction. God knows that I have run out of light. I imagine many of us this morning can and do relate to that statement in the sense that You have run out of light. We we live in this increasingly draining and weary and dark world, don't we? And yet in this season that's supposed to be one that is filled with hope, many of us experience our greatest senses and experiences of hopelessness. We can look inward. We can look around us to see this. More and more, people are filled with brokenness. They're worried. They're worn. They're burned out. They're battling mental fatigue. There's anxiousness, depression. People are finding it hard to sleep, struggling to find air, struggling to find reason to continue on. And all this brings us to this place of hopelessness, and it leaves us needing and wanting a light to break into the darkness. Now, hopelessness is a common description of broken people. They have nowhere to turn. They have nothing to do to change the circumstances within their lives so that it's livable. And this theme of light shining in the darkness is one of the most powerful messages that you can give to a person who is living in hopelessness. Simply think of the change that comes into a dark room by simply turning on a light. This isn't a new place for people to be though. Listen to what it says. The light, see? Changed. (laughs) This isn't a new place for people to be. Listen to what it says in the book of Isaiah, chapter 8, verses 21 and 22. Distressed and hungry, they will roam the land. When they are famished, they will become enraged, and looking upward will curse their king and their God. Then they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom. And they will be thrust into utter darkness. Hearing that, you might think, that's really a sad picture. It it is. (laughs) The writer of Isaiah does not try to hide how dark things are. He doesn't write with rose-colored glasses on. Rather, he shows us how clearly dark things are when God is left out of the picture. Israel's facing foreign invasion, and so our text says that they are shrouded in this fearful gloom, this utter darkness. They're faced with the reality of a foreign nation that's threatening to destroy them and take them off into exile. And so they are downcast. They are filled with despair. Again, many of you this morning might be struggling with that darkness within your life. There likely isn't an army that's bearing down upon you, but it might very well feel that way. You've just been met with a difficult health diagnosis. You're fighting through the difficulty of a broken relationship. You've been bullied or abused. There's no money left in the bank account. You're filled with feelings of anger and sadness and depression. It seems to be all that you know. You're grieving the loss of a loved one. The list goes on. However, this is good news. You're thinking, really? This is? Is good news? What are you talking about? It's not good news, the circumstances where you find yourself and what you face. But it's good news in the sense that this is where Advent begins. The darkness. The hurt. And the brokenness. Not joyful carols, not decorations, not cheer for all. Advent begins with the people who walked in darkness. The people of Israel wandering without a shepherd who were lost without a light. And so if you're there today, you are ready to experience Advent How is it though that we cope with the darkness? Especially when what we face seems so paralyzing, disorienting, more than we can handle. One might assume that God would leave these people in the dark. After all, they had chosen to reject them, to to reject Him. They are the ones who chose to be rebellious within their hearts. Darkness was surrounding them, but it was also within. But God doesn't close the book on his people. He doesn't say, I'm tired of your rebellious living and so you are now on your own. No, in fact, he speaks quite the opposite message. And so if you turn to Isaiah 9, this is going to be our anchor text for the next four weeks. And as we read, you will hear Isaiah speak of how God brings light to the darkness. Isaiah 9, starting in verse 1 through to verse 6. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Advent is a reminder of how desperately we need light in the dark world, a light that overcomes the darkness, and what a glorious word from God Even though by their sin, Israel chose the darkness rather than the light, God stood ready to rescue them again. And we are still the same people today. Those who are in need of rescue, in need of a light in the darkness. The rescue that God promised came in the form of Jesus. But this wouldn't come for another 700 years. So, the logical question that one might have is this How would a prophecy of Jesus being born 700 years later save the Israelites? How does God's promise of the birth of Jesus help me in my darkness, the darkness that I'm facing today? Maybe you feel as though, you know what, I've heard this before and it's a good heartwarming story, but the problem is, it doesn't really change my real life situation that I'm facing right now. Well, let me challenge you on that. And let me say that it does. The promise of the birth of Jesus, who would be the light in the darkness, does speak to the the situation of Israel. Israel. And it speaks to the place where you find yourself today. Because it was through Jesus that all people could experience reconciliation to God. In other words, that they could be brought into right relationship with him. And reconciliation to God is a greater gift than relief from our hardships. We don't often think that way. But the truth is, reconciliation to God is a greater gift than the relief from our hardships. Verse 6 speaks to this in four specific ways that God would pierce the darkness. Four names given to Jesus that would speak of how he would bring light, reconciliation to all people. Four names, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And this morning, I want us to begin with the Wonderful Counselor, and each week we'll take another name moving forward. Here's what I want us to see when it comes to the Wonderful Counselor this morning. The Wonderful Counselor sits with you so that you can experience his resurrection power. The Wonderful Counselor sits with you so that you can experience his resurrection power. I want you to reflect with me for a moment and think about your own life. When is a moment or a time that you experienced wonder? Maybe it was watching a sunrise or a sunset. Maybe it was the morning that your son or your daughter made their bed. Maybe it was was you who made your bed and that was the wonder. Maybe it was watching Avengers Endgame. Maybe it was your sports team winning it all. I've got to experience that one time. It was quite wonderful. Maybe it was passing the math test that you never studied for. Maybe it was a wedding day, the birth of a child, that child walking and taking first steps. Maybe it was seeing history or architecture or creation around the world. But let me ask you, have you ever been lost in the wonder of God? The wonder referred to in our text exceeds any of these experiences. See, the, the Hebrew word for wonder here is pele. And the word refers to something that is supernatural, that's miraculous. It's something that exceeds expectations. And when we encounter wonder, one is filled with amazement, an overwhelming sense of awe. And this word, Pele, speaks to what is beyond human explanation something or someone who's separated from the normal course of events. And the important thing about this word, too, is that it's only ever used in connection with God. This word pele that talks about wonder, you'll never find it in Scripture talking about human experience or human accomplishment. It is only ever used in connection to God. And in that sense, it speaks to Jesus himself and how wonderful he is that there's no one else like him. Jesus, our wonderful counselor, is significant because his name speaks to what only God can do. I want you to watch this short video just to hear a little bit more about the wonder of Jesus.
1: No other king could vanquish the war horse. Or silence the warrior's rage while riding the lowly back of a donkey. No other king could break the dominion of darkness, the tyranny of evil, with a reign of grace and a kingdom of peace. No other king could give his life for the redemption of rebels, his wealth to welcome the outcasts. Son of the living God, not just another king, not just another prophet, not just another
0: of us that have placed our faith in Jesus, this is where our wonder needs to find its beginning and fulfillment, in the person of Jesus. We sang of it this morning, you are worthy of it all. Our wonder needs to find fulfillment in Jesus alone. Quickly, let me suggest that this is actually one of the main reasons Why people are leaving the church or find themselves upset and angry against certain churches or people of faith. Often it's said to be a disagreement of worship or a deconstruction of faith. Maybe looking for something that better connects with who they are. But really, at the root of it, it is because these people have lost the wonder of Jesus. Too many people are looking for wonder in pastors in worship experiences, in small groups, and if this church has a welcoming experience or other human expressions of faith, and I guarantee you that if this is the place, those types of human expressions, if that is where you look for wonder, then it's going to lead to disappointment. It's going to lead to a shallow experience of Jesus and of faith and inevitably leave you walking away. A thriving and active faith is rooted in the wonder of Jesus. As followers of Jesus, we are to live in the wonder of the wonderful counselor. You're invited to live in expectation of who the wonderful counselor is and what he is doing. The wonder of God is meant to make us want more of who he is to want more of him in our lives like we never have before. And the better that we understand who God is and what he has done, the more we understand how wonderful he truly is. Let me ask you, have you done what so many of us have though, and that is lose the wonder of who Jesus is? Maybe it's, we hear the name so often, we say it, we read it, and maybe that name becomes so commonplace. And it's amazing how quickly we grow numb to the wonder of God. All too often we find ourselves head down, just pushing ahead, just trying to get through. We get wrapped up in our daily routine, our spiritual routine, and it leaves us often only seeing what is right in front of us. Margaret Feenberg captures this idea when she says, somewhere along the way, a gap begins to develop between God and us. A drifting takes place. We are not only less aware of God's presence in our lives, but we're also less expectant. And so even when God does show up, we miss him. We pass by unaware. We are spiritually asleep and we do not even know it. So let me challenge you this morning. To pray for the wonder of God in your life. Pray for wonder that will change the way that we live, serve, and lead. And when you pray for wonder, you are asking God for a deeper experience of him. Praying for wonder is asking for more of God. It is living in the expectation that God will do the miraculous. Jesus is the most qualified counselor that you need. Because he is wonderful. Let's break down that word "counselor." Now, the Hebrew word for that is yawitz, and it's where the word "counselor" comes from. And it refers to one who advises. The word carried with it a meaning of a king who was giving counsel. It implied the counsel and wisdom that was being given was coming from a person in a place of authority. Think King Solomon. The word counselor is used of him, and people brought their problems to him, and he had the wisdom to know the solution and the power to enact that, and he sat in a place of authority. Is that not the counsel that we seek in our lives? Think about it. When you need direction or wisdom in your life, you want to go to someone who you view as having authority on what it is that you are seeking counsel for. Well, Jesus is a counselor who desires to give wisdom to his people and has the authority to do so. There's absolutely nothing that happens in this universe that is outside of God's influence and authority. God has no limitations. Consider a few of these ways that he's described in Scripture. Romans 21.6, God is above all things. And before all things, he's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Colossians 1.16, God created all things and holds all things together. Romans 11.33, God knows all things, past, present, and future. There is no limit to his knowledge. Or Psalm 103.19, God is in control of all things and rules over all things. This is what sovereign means. It means that he is the ultimate source of power and authority over everything that exists. It means that he is all-knowing and it means that he knows you intimately. When you need counsel in your life, we can go to the wonderful counselor because he is sovereign and he can be fully trusted as we share our hearts and our concerns and pain with him. The other strength of a counselor is the ability to get to know you and the ability to guide you in light of that. God knows you intimately because he is the one who created you. He knows your passions, your giftings, your strengths, your weaknesses. Jesus has insight into the human heart. As Psalm 139 tells us, he knows our inmost thoughts. He knows our words before we even speak them and he knows our longings. Jesus knows us better than we know ourselves. And when we need counsel, he helps us understand our own heart. But Jesus is more than a therapist or a listener or someone who just simply gives direction in our lives. The name counselor means so much more than a God who merely wants to hear and guide us in our problems. Because of his sovereignty and intimate knowledge, of us, Jesus is able to deal with our darkness at its root. Dealing with the issues is similar to when we try to pull a weed from the garden, but only pull what's above the ground. The weed simply grows back because the roots are still in place. Jesus, in his counseling, is able to deal with the root problem, not just the behavior. J.D. Greer says, Our problems are much deeper than health issues or relational conflicts or economic need. The root of all our problem is separation from God. Therefore, sin had to be dealt with at its roots. And so God promised a Messiah that would ultimately save us from our sins and transform our hearts. We cry out to be delivered from bad health. God wants to deliver us from the curse of death that causes bad health. We cry out to be delivered from injustice and broken relationships. God wants to deliver us from the sin and selfishness that breaks those relationships. Jesus, as our wonderful counselor, illuminates God's strategy to rescue us from the kingdom of darkness. The birth of Jesus was part of God's strategic counsel to save the world. Before the creation of the world, he was chosen. Yes, Jesus is the wonderful counselor in the temporary and in the immediate darkness that we face, but also for what lies at the root of our darkness, our separation from God. The way in which God does this is beautiful. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are. Often the picture we have of Jesus is someone who sits up on a throne looking down on us, distant, disconnected from what we are going through. When we go to Christ as our counselor, we expect him to respond with this tired out wisdom of the world, of judgment a direction to change our actions. We expect him to listen because, well, That's his job, and hopefully he will have mercy on us. And maybe you have this view of Jesus because, uh, maybe you have that view of Jesus, and because of that, it simply discourages you from ever wanting to go to him as your counselor. But Jesus is not a king who looks down on his people, ruling from on high, Rather, he is a brother who lived among us, who's walked through everything that we have walked through. Isaiah 52 calls Jesus a man of sorrows, acquitted with grief. Whatever you're feeling in life, Jesus has been there. He knows the pain, he knows feelings of loneliness. Betrayal, exhaustion, abandonment, physical health, relentless frustration, this thing of criticism or extreme stress, or more. This is because Jesus was sent as a baby. He entered into our sin and our brokenness, and he takes your place. Jesus is not a counselor who we are needing to pay by the hour, but he is a king who empathizes with you. He understands our anxieties and our despair as his own. As we move towards Christmas, many of us are weary. We're exhausted. Maybe you're dreading what is to come. Blanketed in sadness, surrounded by darkness. Can I ask you, have you come to the end of yourself? Have you come to the end of your own wisdom, abilities, resources, and strength? Maybe you're crying out in prayer for wisdom, desiring direction and discernment. Often when we seek counsel, all we want is the right answers. We want direction. Friends, have you been there? I know I have. And if you've been in a place like that, you know how heavy and fragile those moments are. And if that's you, Jesus wants you to know that as the wonderful counselor, he has something better for you than just the right answers. The gift of the Wonderful Counselor is not so much just right answers. The gift of the Wonderful Counselor is Jesus himself. You have a compassionate God who created the world, who then came into the world, who sits in your brokenness with you and weeps with you. God's desire is To move you to a place of being with him. This past week I listened to an audio uh, clip from a pastor named Corey Russell. And he refers to Jesus as the weeping God that gives us the gift of tears. He says tears make us tender and move us to a place of being able to experience Jesus like we haven't before. They move us to prayer. He says tears are liquid prayer. And he believes that tears born of God are the ones that move God. In the moments that we weep and do not understand, let me encourage you to simply sit with the wonderful counselor and remember his love for you. Often we want to get out of that tension, we don't want to sit in the unknown. But if you're confused, lost, and alone, Jesus longs for that invitation to sit with you in the darkness, to weep with you. Refuse to get out of the tension and let God's resurrection power meet you as you sit with him and weep. We need to be willing to invite God into that space. We need to be brutally honest with Jesus so that we can be changed by the wonderful counselor. Look at him and behold the wonderful counselor and let him make you tender. Many of us have hard hearts and we need tears to make us tender again to what he has for us. God is inviting you into a place of weeping with him. You may be unsure of where you stand in relationship to the wonderful counselor, but what is more important is the truth That his heart is to sit with you, to comfort you and bring you light in your darkness. That is the wonderful counselor who sits with you so that you can experience his resurrection power. I invite you this morning as we prepare to worship together. If you just need to sit with the wonderful counselor this morning, you can do that where you are. Or if you would like, there's gonna, our prayer team, I'm going to invite, they're going to be up front right now. And if we can sit with you and pray with you as Jesus sits with you, we would love to do that. So know that this space is open as we prepare to close our time with worship together.